You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, folks. Welcome back to Lace Mountain West Wire Football Podcast Edition. You know where to find us, mwwire.com, Facebook, Twitter, Mountain West Wire, MWC Wire, some combination of that. We're back, a short delay. I apologize, Jeremy Moss, Matt Kennerly. Time to talk some Wyoming Cowboys. Let's do it. So, yes, we are back with, uh, you know what sucks? Moving sucks. That's why we delayed last our most recent show. So if you've been waiting, we know we had a ton of answers or questions from Wyoming fans. And also a little... Um, blowback from another article that didn't mention Wyoming once, but they didn't like it. So maybe we'll touch on that too, because there's some rivalries in the conference with the Cowboys. Oh, for sure. Also, we started the big deal this week. If you're listening to this now, our top 50 countdown is in full swing. And yes. you're doing a great job, Matt, getting that started while I'm attempting to move still. We've done, what is it? What year is this? Is this like the fourth year we've done this? Oh, it's more. I mean, it's more than that. It, I mean, so the top 50. To, going back to our old site. I know, but that's only been a year. Well, no, I'm saying going back to our old site, it's probably been at least five years that we've done it. I still remember how it started. Do you try to tell that story really quick? Yeah, go for it. So when Bleach Report was pretty uh, terrible, they've always had some good people, but when they were just kind of whatever, me and our good, our good buddy Chris Andres, we saw something in the reputable, very high-quality paper of San Diego Union Tribune do some article about, hey, your top 50 players, just kind of, cop- not copy and paste, but like, oh, we'll link back to this article. Here's the top players. I'm like, really? And we made some joke about it. Like, hey, we could do a better job. Let's make our own list. So we, on the fly, that first year, which was nuts, we made a top 50 countdown. So ever since, um, we keep it going, and hopefully you guys read it. Maybe I, maybe the schools read it. Maybe you hate our position of player X. That's fine, as long as you read and click on it. If it gives you motivation to give you a better year, we're all for it. So... We are now what honorable. As of right now, we've done the honorable mention. So, well, player a day through what basically the third week of August, right before the season kicks. That's plan. By the way, just to clarify, um, it goes back to 2018 at our old digs. What was that year again? 2018. The top five that year: Derek Carr, Dave Fails, Florence, Devonte Adams, Adam Moima. Okay, that's. Looking back at it, Carr was a lot. Of, I guess college career, they've all done fine, right? 2013 was a good year. 2013, except for one game for you. Yeah. <laughs> let's move on. Let's talk hey, Wyoming Cowboys. Yeah, let's move to Wyoming Cowboys. So, as I promised in uh, one of the tweets I sent out, this will probably be the last time we mentioned Josh Allen in a Wyoming uniform. Did you know? Did you read? Because I read uh, the Bills Wire, the Buffalo Bills site in USA Today. Josh Allen won an accuracy contest over Baker Mayfield. That's kind of interesting. That's why I put tweeted eyebrow raised and nobody threw rocks at me. So I'm shocked by that <laughs> just because. I mean, that's, that you know, just to kind of get into it maybe one last time. I mean, that's basically the only thing that was, in my opinion, holding him back from reaching his considerable ceiling was just answering that question. Can he be more accurate? Because if the answer is eventually yes, then, I mean, I don't think there's any doubt that he's an all pro caliber player with, pretty much everything else that he possesses. Yeah, he 
we've seen his great throws. It's just a little like Craig Bullmich, yeah, kind of like Brett Favre, just because he kind of forces stuff a little bit, but he can take half a second and get his feet ready. Just a few small things. If he get it, just, that's the same thing. Just above sixty percent, he'll be great, mm-hmm. and we'll see it happen. Well, I mean, we'll keep or excuse me, Buffalo. We'll keep tabs on him a bit. But as for us, uh, me saying he's not great because people think I say he's terrible. I don't think he's terrible. I'm just saying he could be better, right? <laughs> but. Yeah, I think we've we've trod over this ground plenty of times, but I do think it is a, an interesting segue to me starting to talk about the quarterbacks on this year's team. Exactly. And I, I want to start by asking you a question because I want to throw out, you know, the numbers that Wyoming's quarterbacks were able to compile as a group last year. So that wasn't just Josh Allen, it was also Nick Smith, right? Mm-hmm. So as a team, they had a 56% completion rate, you know, 6.6 yards per attempt, 18 touchdowns against eight interceptions. And they finished eighth in the conference in overall passer rating. Like on a scale of one to a hundred with, with Smith coming back and Tyler Vanderwall, the redshirt freshman, you know, at least for now being the presumed, you know, front runner for the starting job. What do you think the percentage is? that whoever's under center for Wyoming this year can be better than those numbers from last year. So one to a hundred, I would say, cause here's, you got to consider a few other things. The running game was not good last year. Offensive line was uh-huh. pretty new. Everybody was pretty new except for Josh Allen, which was a part of the reason he didn't play as great. Um, just some experience back. I would say I'll go six, like four to a hundred. I'll go percentage. I'll say 60% chance. they will be better than last year. See, it's funny that you mentioned that because I was kind of thinking the same thing, you know, and I think those things that you mentioned are definitely valid points. Yeah, I was just curious because, I, I mean, I went up back and I watched a little bit of Tyler Vanderwall's film, at least whatever I could scrounge up on YouTube. And, you know, even if he isn't quite as physically gifted as Alan was, you know, I don't think a lot of quarterbacks are, to be honest. Nope. But... You know, he has the potential to be a pretty steadying influence on this offense. And it's not like saying that they have to get back to where they were in 2016. You know, that was, you know, their completion percentage was a little lower actually in 2016 than it was last year. But, you know, Allen was averaging eight and a half yards per attempt, which is significantly better. And he had 29 touchdowns against 15 interceptions. So, I think as long as Vanderwall can kind of maybe split the difference between those two figures, you know, I don't think he's necessarily under a lot of pressure to like be an all conference performer this year, but I think as long as he can do slightly better. And I do have confidence that I think he can, I think that's really all Wyoming fans can ask for from a new quarterback in this system. Yeah. And then also like go back to 2016, they had like Jacob Hollister, Tyler Gentry got multiple NFL guys who are on receiving a tight end wide out. Those guys are on rosters NFL. So it's a pretty big deal. But one quick note, yards per attempt, you mentioned splitting, splitting the difference 16. He would, they were, um, or that eight, eight and a half last year, about 6.6, which was ninth and fourth. If they could be seven and a half yards per attempt, that's middle of the pack. They're probably going to have uh, maybe a few more touchdowns this year, maybe one or two less fewer picks. But if they're average, because we'll get to it in a minute, but the reason they were they were successful was nothing to do with the offense last year. It was all 
Andrew Wingard, Carl Grandinson, um, Logan Wilson, all those guys on defense are why they were what they were last year and why they could honestly, like, not to go t- too forward on what we're going to pick, but they're going to be in a lot more games than people think when their offense could score maybe only 10 points a game in certain situations. They'll do better than that, but, you know, my point, if it's a low-scoring game, it favors them more than anybody else in the conference, I think. Yeah, and, I mean, just to kind of throw another number out there, one of the things I went back and I looked at at Football Study Hall was passing down success rate. And, you know, just to throw out the definition real quick for those of you who are relatively new to the podcast, a passing down is basically second and eight or more, third and five or more, fourth and five or more. And when you look at how well Wyoming did in those situations between 2016 and 2017, you know, in 2016, they were right around the top 50. You know, they were above the national average in being able to convert those opportunities. Do you want to take us where they were last year off the top of your head? Not even close to that. 128th. Out of, uh, let me get this right. There's out a, of 130 teams, right? <laughs> out of 130 teams. So not and good. So that, and that's another one of those things where it's like, even if they're only below average, then you're rebounding all the way back to where they were in 2016, it'd be like 80th or something like that. You know, if Vanderbilt can can pull them up to that kind of figure, that would be a huge win for this offense. It would be because if you look at the, uh, I was looking at Bill Connolly's stuff. Bill Connolly stuff. He put up uh, just the offensive radar from last year. Mm-hmm. Um, you want a, a radar to be large and all encompassing. <laughs> Their offensive radar was, I don't think they're top hundred of any category. I can't, it's hard to tell exactly, but like they were. As small, basically as small as you can get pretty much on like passing S&P, 20-yard uh, passing per game was probably their best category, it looks like. But they were not getting anything like opportunity rate, tenure. Like it's not just passing, but overall explosiveness, efficiency. They were just mm-hmm. terrible in a lot of situations <laughs> overall. And so like, again, like we mentioned this with like New Mexico years ago, like if they could be average on defense or have a guy who can sort of throw, that would make them so much better. If their offense could be about average in the conference – that goes a long way because you're going to play a team like Utah State, which should be much better. Boise has a great defense. They'll have an explosive offense. Playing Air Force is tricky. Even a CSU, who might not may not be great defensively, but offense, they can move the ball a bit. And so if they can just be average, their defense will be well above average. Offense just be okay. Don't screw up too often or screw up a little bit less than last year. Then they're like I said, they'll be contending and just looking at what they're they're one hundred or worse in like any any major category for advanced numbers. Yeah, and I mean you mentioned the other parts of the offense. So while it may be tempting to think of quarterback as being kind of the biggest question facing this unit this year, I think if you look at everything else, that's definitely not the case. I think the biggest question still is what is the running game gonna do? Because, you know, you mentioned that they were woefully inefficient on the ground game last yes, year. very. And even if you narrow the sample to just what they did in conference last year, you know, in conference play, they were still averaging less than three and a half yards per carry. And just by way of comparison, real quick, I was curious to see what other teams did. Hawaii had the same amount of carries last year, 279 attempts in conference play. And they averaged 1.2 yards more per carry. And a lot of that had to do with Diosme St. Juice, right? Utah State had 10 more carries, so 289 versus 279. And they were averaging almost 
two full yards more per carry. Like, did you realize that? Uh, say that again so people understand. Utah State had 10 more rushing attempts in conference play than Wyoming did last year. Okay, just 10. And the Aggies averaged almost two full yards more per attempt. And it's not like the Utah State rushing game was all that special either. Exactly. That just tells and, you how bad this Cowboys rush offense was. Jeez. And when you look at the situation that Wyoming's stepping into going to fall camp and into the season beyond, it's not great because you know, Trey Woods is expected to miss pretty much all of this year. There's an article in that capture where you know Craig Bull suggested that there be and you know let's be honest he had kind of a rough go of it you know he only averaged what 3.5 yards per carry last year and you know kellen overstreet is also back you know Mm -hmm. he had 481 yards last year on a per play basis he was a little bit better 4.4 yards per carry Mm -hmm. you know he missed a lot of spring ball you know, they do have Milo Hall back, but then after that, kind of a, you know, question mark. You know, if, if Woods isn't there and Overstreet and and Hall, and let's not forget Nico Evans because he's there too. Barely, but yeah. You know, are those three guys, you know, if they're in charge, if they're going to be primarily responsible for the running game, how much more productive should we expect them to be? Here's why I say they will be. Because let's move now. We'll we'll kind of combine these two. But offensive line, they bring mm-hmm. yeah they do lose um, Ryan Cummings last year's bluff guard, but they bring back everybody. They bring back f- four guys with ten plus career starts. Or, I mean last season starts. They have four guys who yeah five guys. Excuse me. Let me make sure my math is right here. One two three five guys who start at least ten times. Four three guys start over twenty. One over thirty start career starts. And so it's kind of mind boggling. Look at the line because it wasn't if the running game was bad last year. And half these guys um, were pretty experienced of who they had last year coming in. Yeah, they had two new guys. Um, what was it Logan Harrison and Gavin Rush came in and started everything last year. That was their first time to start for the Cowboys. So you bring in two new guys. You had half the off third of three fifths of the offensive line last year experienced. This year, it's how much better can they be? Because they weren't good last year. Maybe those guys take a big leap from year one to year two as a starter because they were freshmen last freshman last year. Or excuse me, a sophomore. Excuse mm. me, freshman sophomore. Apologize. Gavin was a sophomore. So maybe if those guys take a huge leap forward from their first year to second year starting, which they should, that's where I think the running game could be better. But I don't think it's going to be anything great in the conference, but bringing back those four guys, and they have a few other guys even who didn't play a ton last year, have career starts like maybe Brinkley Jolly has like eight career starts. Maybe he'll move into that uh, left guard spot. Who knows if he's flexible to do that. But they have there's experience back there where there's reason to believe even without um, Trey Woods, for most of the year, maybe the whole year, they should be better than last year because of that experience. And we'll get to receivers later, but the offensive line with who's coming back, I, I always say, yeah, you have experience, but how good of experience was it? It wasn't great last year, but all the guys said new first-time starters last year, a couple of them. And maybe they take that big leap with uh, Brent Vigeon there, what they're doing for the offensive um, conditioning, everything they're doing in the offseason. Maybe spring football, fall will be better, but – I think it will be better than last year because, well, first off, can it really get that much worse? That's one thing you have to say. I don't think so. But I I think they'll be a bit better than last year. I don't expect to ha- them have like a guy rush for 1,000 yards. But let's just say Overstreet's a starter and then Milo Hall's the backup and don't even count for Trey Woods. Those two guys can get for 
what would you say? Because if you look, not including quarterback yards, they had about 900 between their starters. They're more than two guys. If they can get to 1150 or 1200 yards between their top two backs, I think that's a success. Yeah, and I think maybe especially with a, a new quarterback under center, they're going to want to do that. Just yeah. one quick note, because you mentioned his name. Brinkley Jolly actually transferred to Southern Methodist. Dang it. I need updated. updated. So thank you for that. But I think that your <laughs> overall point stands. And one thing that you didn't mention was that injuries played a significant role on the offensive line last year. Like, I didn't realize this until I read it, but the Cowboys actually ended up using seven different offensive line combinations last year. And eight starters, it looks like. So when you're, you know, when you're tr- constantly shuffling the guys who are supposed to provide protection, you know, I think that that makes a substantial difference. And yeah, maybe it ended up being a trial by fire for some guys, you know. But I think that you, they do have a couple of young guys coming in, like Alonzo Velasquez was a guy that, you know, he started 10 games last year. Another true freshman, who, mm-hmm. you know, managed to make it through the season relatively intact, I think. Then, you know, even the guys coming up behind them, like Eric Abojai, who's apparently a very big dude, 350 pounds, playing left guard. There you go. Stick him in there. Take him over for a Ryan Cumming spot. There you go. That's going to be fun to watch. (laughs) I think that, you know, it can be a little lucky when it comes to avoiding injuries at both running back and uh, along the offensive line. That'll do this offense a lot of favors as well. Yeah, and what they can definitely right about that. And what they can do as well, if you both, if they had to just jump in and play ever, because I do remember that now there's like a six or seven, five week stretch, a month stretch where they had different start. Like I know you said seven overall, but I think there's at least a month straight where it was this different combo. But yeah, what that can do for guys who even come in for a game or two, backups get more experience. You've played actual game time instead of just practicing. So. That just, um, yeah, it didn't help last year, but it could help this year quite a bit. Like, okay, you've played three games or whatever. You saw action in eight of those, just as some random number. Now you're going to be a starter. Now you're going to be the number two guy, not maybe the backup to position A, B, or C. You're going to be the primary backup for one position or something like that where they've been in there to play. And just, the, again, line consistency, it's especially any offense. It's like if you go to your backups all the time, if you have a you're throwing the ball to different set of receivers, it's going to be tough. It's not like on defense where – you could probably shuffle guys in and out. And it doesn't affect you that much, but because but the offensive line, the choreography, if you want to think about it, the the precision of what you want to do for each play, you're more in sync than say a defensive player or a defensive line where, no, it's not as simple as get to the ball, get the quarterback. But if a player can freelance a bit more, but if the offensive line, like the left guard, doesn't pull or doesn't get his assignment right, that can quarterback get crushed. So. If they stay healthy, that's why I think they're going to be a little bit better. What do you expect them to be in the running game? Is 1,200 yards for their top two guys about what you expect to say, okay, they're better than last year because they did that? I don't think that's unreasonable. I mean, I think if they can at least get back to, I don't know, the middle of the pack as far as, you know, on a per carry average, which last year that was right around 4.6 yards per carry. That was what Air Force and, and Hawaii managed to do last year, and they were sixth and seventh in the conference. I think, you know, maybe that's asking a lot, but I think that that should be the ceiling for whoever's running the football this year. Hmm. No, it makes sense. It's it'll be interesting to watch because let's go to the receiver now, receiving group now, which will be a big deal because they had injuries last year for who was coming in to be able to. Um, who was it? Uh, was it C.J. Johnson out for part of the year last year? And so was James Price. And James Price. And then James Price, the uh, tight end that had like, what, four catches, four touchdowns, something like that. 
No, it was Austin Fort. Sorry, he's back. That was Austin. Dang, I remember him. Him him and Jake Grow from Boise had like going toe for toe for touchdown to uh, touching the ball. And so that was uh, pretty interesting to see. But they bring back literally everybody who caught a pass last year. Outside of uh, who's it, Drew Manum at at the fullback, which what is he going to do? Catch. He got seven catches last year, not bad. But they bring back a ton. And with a new quarterback and a fairly experienced offensive line, I know they're going to run the ball a lot with whoever, likely Vanderwall, maybe Nick Smith does something crazy and takes over that job, which I don't seem likely to be the case. But if everybody's healthy, C.J. Johnston could be one of the best receivers in the conference or be up there. He had seven touchdowns and just 30 catches, 61 catches back from Conway. If they're there the whole year, James Price, if they can – just they have, they have everybody back. That's the thing. They had literally everybody back last year. And then a bunch of freshmen who we'll see if um, who steps up in any position as a backup. But having that experience back, that's just huge for a new quarterback. And that's where I think the offense should be about close to being average last year with just experience in general coming back. Yeah, I think the expectation for these wide receivers is, you know, I want them to be more explosive. Mm-hmm. That I talked about, you know, passing down success rate, having a huge drop off from 2016 to 2017. The explosiveness of the offense took a nosedive from 2016 to 2017 as well. They dropped uh, 70 spots as far as explosiveness <laughs> goes. Uh, 105. And, you know, some of that had to do with how erratic the quarterback play was last year. But you know, you can't explain all of it away when you're looking at catch rates from you know three of the top four guys under 50% last year. And, you know, Austin Conway, for instance, had a catch rate of over 70%, but he only averaged nine yards per catch. I think, you know, maybe you're expecting him to be able to little, do a little bit more with the targets that he was given last year. But the other three guys, Johnson Price and John O'Quoley, they're going to have to do better. They're going to have to be more consistent when it comes to catching the football. Yeah. Johnson had a really good deep threat, but you'll probably get to it. They're all under 50% catch rate. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, because, you know, we, we heard from Wyoming fans when we were kind of talking at length about Allen, you know, saying, go to the tape. His receivers let him down a lot last year. And those people had definitely had a point. You know, it wasn't all on Josh Allen sailing passes over everybody's heads. So... You know, if Vanderbilt or whoever is under center can get them the football, you know, if they could be a little more consistent, you know, I think the benchmark should probably be around 60%. They can manage that, then that will help, you know, Vanderbilt's completion percentage kind of, you know, goes around and I think it's sick of that. Um, But you need someone to step up as a downfield threat. And I think you're right, Johnson is probably going to be that guy. But, you know, those four guys, Conway, Johnson, Price, O'Coley, they're just going to have to be a little bit better across the board. So what do you think the offense should be overall then? I mean, I think they'll be fine. You know, that they, you want to hear just fine? Is that what you really want to say? <laughs> These one of you guys want to hear? I mean, it'll be fine. It sounds. I mean, maybe it sounds like a cop out. You know, it seems like the kind of offense that you know, has enough talent to do pretty well against you know soft defenses in the conference, and maybe struggle a little bit against the better defenses in the conference. Okay, that's what I'm kind of thinking too. I think they'll they'll be better than last year, which is. I just think the main thing for me: run the ball better. Everything else will come into play. That's what yeah. their main. I know they get the quarterback, the new QB in there, but it's not like Josh Allen was lighting up the world last year. He just he struggled for various reasons. 
inexperienced other players around him, him just not progressing like people thought. But I think their main thing, if they're going to be good, their running game has to step up because that'll make everything easier for the new quarterback, receivers getting open when the defense will maybe focus a bit more on the running game. That's not going to happen early, early on because they're going to just do whatever and try to take care of any threat Wyoming has at them, which is, they think, nil to none, not very, not much of a threat anywhere. So that's why I'm thinking yeah, I mean, that's what I think will happen. The thing, you know, they, they won eight games last year with maybe the worst overall offense in the conference. Was it maybe the worst bowl offense last year of any bowl eligible team? I mean, I think they were in the conversation, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, let's take a quick break here, and then we'll come back to do some, I guess, defense, right? Is that where we're going here? Mm-hmm. All right, now we get to the fun part. Defense, right? This Is this what gets you going for this Wyoming team? The defense? Oh, absolutely. And everybody who's back, essentially, it seems like, or a lot of players are back? Pretty much, yeah. So um, where do we want to start? Do we want to start with uh, Carl Granderson, who took a handoff or a touchdown last year? Logan Wilson, who seems to get a pick or a turnover on every time he touches the ball? Um, where what's the uh, where do I want to start? To start up front, defensive line position with the. Uh, I'm gonna say the name here. I'm gonna butcher it. Johanna Johanna, Gaffin. Is that close? I believe it's Johanna Gaffin. I need to say it with confidence, not with a question mark at the end. Right? <laughs> that makes it worse. If I'm like Johanna Gaffin, and that's completely wrong. But if I go Johanna Gaffin, people know I, I'm wrong. <laughs> I mean, this is going to be a super fun defensive line to watch just because, you know, you've got four guys on the start in the starting lineup who you know have plenty of experience. You know, you mentioned Granderson and Guy Fan. Let's not overlook Kevin Prosser, too, who ended up you know, two and a half sacks last year. But, you know, he's a guy who's been a pretty disruptive pass rusher in the past. He's, you know, pretty good in his own right. And then, you know, alongside Guy Fan in the middle, you have someone like Sidney Maluolu who you know, can clog up running lanes and things like that. And, you know, in the same way that we talked about, you know, Wyoming really struggling to get the ground game going on offense, you know, they had the same kind of problem against this Wyoming defense last year. They were, what, eight hundredths of a yard away from being the best run defense on a per carry basis in the conference. And, you know, that's no small feat considering how many good defenses there are in the Mountain West. So let me ask you this. Who's their best player? Who do you think? Are you talking about on the defensive line or on the Just in general. Defense? I'm sorry. I'm bouncing around. But, well, let's do a defensive line. We can get that at the end. I guess it's Carl Granderson, right? I mean, I think he certainly makes the most explosive plays. Yeah. They're both going to say, like, Athlon's on their first team. They're both – both those guys are on there for the conference – I guess they kind of do a few different things because Goffin's a bit almost pushing 300 pounds. He mm-hmm. had more tackles, but then he, like, they both had, I don't know, they both, their numbers are almost identical outside of the picks. Like, they both forced a couple of fumbles, um, both have nearly amount, the amount of sacks, 8.5-7. TFL is about the same, tackles close to the same. It's, I don't know, it's it's tough to say. I, I, I guess Garrett Grandison, he made that one play like last year, it looked like a handoff for a touchdown on defense. Mm-hmm. But it's like, can anybody else, like, here's the thing on this defense, like, just not just the line, but overall, like, who's going to come in and, or, like, just have huge numbers? Like, is there going to be the third guy, like, on this defensive line that's coming to have maybe nine sacks or nine TFLs? Like, is are these numbers going to be consistent for everybody? Is there going to be more of a, you know, I'm getting at, yes, you're so talented, the numbers are going to be spread out 
evenly from guys behind them, or can these guys like repeat? That's kind of a one big question because yeah, you have these four or five guys who are really really good, like all conference caliber guys overall, and then the backups are nearly as good. Do you see anybody coming up on that line to maybe get close to what those guys are doing, or it's going to be business as usual from last year that those two guys just take over and the other guys do a good job and adequate job in doing their position and kind of following what they're supposed to be doing. Well, I mean, I think that's the nice thing about this defensive line is, you know, not only do they have kind of the star talent in the, in the starting lineup, but they're also pretty deep too. Like you talk about a guy, for instance, like Derek crawl, who as a freshman picked up five and a half tackles for a loss in two and a half sacks. You know, you put him and Prosser and Granderson together as a, as a pass rushing trio you know, that's a pretty dangerous trio that might be the best trio of peppers in the conference. Could be. And then even young guys, like, I don't know what Victor Jones will do, but he's like the highest rated recruit registered last year. Maybe he'll get some more playing time. Like out of anybody in the roster at this time. Of, of safety dance fame. Mm-hmm. Exactly. He's also back. He had two and a half tackles for loss last year. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised, like, you know, if, you know, heaven forbid, Wyoming suffer you know, injuries in the same way that their offensive lines I would not expect there to be that big of drop off with the guys that they have behind these stars on their line. Yeah, it's I think it's just this is just gonna be a great position group. I'm just kinda of curious trying to pick around like who could be this guy we don't know about that could have nine sacks or something that's never played. I guess I don't know, I'll give Victor Jones a bit because he's a decent lines up pretty decently with like what Carl Granderson's eyes, higher rated recruits. But then again, how many snaps will we play because he's a retro freshman. All right. So linebackers, let's go there. Let's kind of pound through these guys really quick. You have Logan Wilson. Like I said, he's been playing for since a true freshman. He's the other guy who makes big plays like TFL, like not sacked, but he gets the backfield stops the running game. He had a, did he have a touchdown last year? I think, or was that the year before he had all those touchdowns off picks? Oh, I'm trying to remember. He had, cause he only had one interception last year. Not a big deal. It's just he makes plays. <laughs> <laughs> he seems to be all over, all over the place. A couple forced fumbles. Like these guys are like, it's gonna be nuts for what they can do. They do they do this Jalen Ortiz, but that's that's about it. They bring back what eight starters, I think. Uh, I'm pretty sure the only people they're having to replace are basically in the secondary. They're having to replace their cornerback duo. Or trio rather of, of Rico Gafford and Mark Robert Priester. Maybe that is a duo. Never mind. I take that. Back. <laughs> you know what? A duo is two people now. But yeah, they're having to replace Gafford and Priester <laughs> at corner for at least. Yeah. I'm just saying, t- t- duo is two, trio is three, quinterback is five. Remember that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I, it's, no, I mean, I, what, I what are you guys saying? Yeah. They're going to be great. You know what I mean? Like, I guess you got to fill out the same position, but that's about it. But they should be fine. Like, I don't want to say everything's fine because then something will blow up and they go, they're, Here's the thing, too. Like, they could be the third best defense in the league, but still be top 20 overall and, and nationally. Well, I mean, don't forget that they often run a pretty flexible offense, too, where they have someone like Tyler Hall acting. And I'm, I'm trying to think of a comp, and the only name that comes to mind is Dion Buchanan. Mm-hmm. You know, someone kind of plays both the safety linebacker hybrid position. Well, it could be somebody from San Diego so, State, just name a guy from there, maybe. You know what I mean? They that three, three, yeah. Five. So someone like a, I'm trying to think of off the top of my head. I can't remember who lines up in the middle of that secondary, whether it's Parker Baldwin or not. But you know, someone like that, and mm-hmm. and for this particular defense, Tyler Hall, I think is 
probably going to be that guy, you know, you know, who can play in the box as well as play back in coverage when the situation calls for it. Yeah, and this is the only the safety group, but defensive backs the only group where those question marks because they lose um, like Rico Gafford, Robert Priester gone, Antonio Hole is back, but he missed all of last year. He didn't play. But if you look at his numbers from the time he did play in 2016, pretty he'd be stacking up with one of the best DBs. So that's the only area where they might have some issues. But then again, they, they're still pretty deep with like who played games last year. They still played a ton of guys. Was it six or seven guys played 10, 10, 11 or more games, it looks like? So they have guys back there experience just about who've played enough. They still don't have like the starting experience. And so that, but here's the thing too if you have a good. Logan Wilson, Granderson, whoever gets the quarterback TFL sacks disruptions, it's going to help the secondary get going early on. And so while mm-hmm. it's probably their even a Wingard could be all American or possibly he's really really good, he'll make up for a lot of that taking part of that field with his, his safety position. But this is the only unit I'm sort of concerned about. But the other up front will take care of that if they can replicate last year, keep getting to QB and get their hands up and knocking balls down. That's what makes someone like CJ Colden a player that I'm really interested in seeing how he steps into that because he was at the top of their depth chart at the end of the spring game um, at one of those cornerback positions opposite of Hull. You know, someone like him or Keon Blankenbanker, who were both pretty well-regarded recruits in their 2017 class. They both got to redshirt last year. And I'm assuming they're both going to battle for that one cornerback spot. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if both of those guys saw a lot of playing time, especially early in non-conference play. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Cold in particular, you know, two years along with, you know, Vanderwall and a couple of other guys like Velasquez that we mentioned a minute ago. You know, I think that's someone that Cowboys fans should have really high expectations for to kind of step in and be kind of that next man up in a secondary that's been really good for several years running now. Let me ask you this. Who, it- where were you going to – I know we haven't discussed every team yet, but where would you rank this defense in the conference? Right now? Sure, yeah, middle of June, uh, late I still, June. I feel like every time this question comes up, it's kind of unfair because it you is. make the argument for <laughs> one, two, three, for like three or four different defenses. Right now, I guess I would probably say like second. Because the teams you're referring to, obviously, you have uh, Fresno, San Diego State, and Wyoming. And Boise. Oh, sorry, and Boise. Sorry, and Boise. Yeah, so I apologize. Yeah, um, like I said, they could be the fourth best fourth t- defense, but still be top twenty, top maybe not tw- top twenty, but top thirty five nationally if they're that number four defense. Because Wyoming did lead yards per play last year by about what point two yards, whatever that. If you like that number or not, I, I would say I don't know. I am. I might get Fresno the edge a little bit, but I would say like it is unfair to say because we could give an argument for why any of those four teams could be the best defense. And also there's other things to consider like, Oh, you played this schedule. We played like San Diego state by Stanford. Okay. They mm-hmm. play this offense. Boise state plays Oklahoma state who might pass a little bit more with their type of offense. So it's not overly fair. Each defense might be number one in a different category, but I don't know. I think with who they, who they have back and I think they'll be, I think they could be the best one, maybe second, but I don't think they'll be fourth. I'll just I'll go out and limb and say they're not going to be fourth. Yeah, I mean I think it helps. Like even if you know questions they're going to have to sort out cornerback. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure this is the best safety duo in the group of five. Ooh, it's pretty good. Bold between, statement between Wingard and Marcus Apps. Yeah, I, I, potential up there. 
It's going to be really good. Yeah, because, and, and if I remember correctly, I don't know if, if anyone out there has picked up Phil Steele's magazine yet, but I'm pretty sure Wingard was like one of two or three Mountain West guys to make his All-American team. I know Athlon because he's, did. Yeah, Athlon too. Um, you know, he's just been a guy who's been productive basically since day one. And Mike Saps, you know, probably shouldn't be as overshadowed as he is just because, you know, he's a guy who's, I would just say he's as complete a safety as Wingard is. You know, he had five tackles for loss last year, four interceptions. You know, that's, that's a pair of athletes to be pretty much thing, which is a huge asset for this defense overall, you know, because the guys in front of them, focus on the run they can focus you know on their assignments just because they have a couple of guys who do it all behind them all right let's go any special teams notes i always overlook that we should look at <laughs> i mean i think it's maybe worth the teams were pretty decent last year you know cooper roth had 15 of 18 on was uh was 15 of 18 on field goal attempts and tim zaleski was you know, he was okay for a freshman punter. I think it's fair to expect him to take another step forward because he did average a shade under 40 yards per punt last year. But on the whole, I think that if the offense does end up sputtering here and there, you know, with the guys they have back there, you know, I wouldn't know too much because I think Rothen's in good hand. Worth noting, too, that Tyler Hall did return two kicks for last year. So, you know, maybe with Rashad Penny out of the picture, you know, if we're looking to restart the conversation about special teams player of the year, Hall's definitely got to be in that conversation. Interesting. All right. Um, all right, folks, we're going to take a quick break, then come back for a schedule talk, okay? Yeah. All right, so um, we talked about Milo Hall earlier in the podcast. We were, happened to record it earlier in the day before he announced uh, his transfer. So, and we're recording this a couple days later. So, disregard and yeah, just disregard. We'll move forward. I'm not going to go back and edit it because who cares? You okay with that, Matt? Mm-hmm. Okay, so schedule time. We have our schedule set up for Wyoming Cowboys football. Uh, they start week zero. That's pretty exciting, right? If it means more football sooner, absolutely. They head out to, we've already talked about this team at New Mexico State, Las Cruces, um, no TV time yet or TV channel yet. With the Aggies being an independent team, who knows where that will be picked up. So stay tuned for that. But we've already kind of mentioned, like I said, about New Mexico State when we talked about Utah State and New Mexico. So I guess I'll recommend go back and listen to those. But I will say they lost some key play, key pieces. Like uh, who is it? Larry Rose, he's gone. A few players from their bowl team are gone. And I don't see this Aggie team scoring enough points to beat this Wyoming team. It might be 10-3, to 3, but Wyoming's going to win. I mean, I don't necessarily see it as being that low scoring, but I think that with what New Mexico State wants to do, which is throw, throw, and then throw some more. Good luck with that against this team. Yeah, I don't know that that's necessarily the best matchup for 
you know, for the Aggies against this kind of defense. So I think that Wyoming should be able to win pretty comfortably on the road. They may, you know, give up a big player to or things like that, but I'm kind of expecting like a 10 to 14 point win for the Cowboys. Interesting because uh, S&P Plus has a four and a half point favorite or mar- projected margin victory for the Cowboys and only 60% chance of winning. Yeah. I guess road game, but then that, New Mexico State probably could score some points. I'm being a little facetious there, but it'll be tough for losing talent last year. Then they go home, Washington State. This will be interesting because well, I know we mentioned the uh, Cowboys secondary. It's sort of – they have some good players, but the depth is a little bit concerning. But this will be a huge game, obviously, just because it's not just because Pac-12 playing uh, Washington State, uh, Mike Leach out there, what they want to do, and him being crazy conspiracy guy once again. Um do you see what the win? Do you know what the win probability of this game is at the moment? Are you looking at it? I am. It is forty-two percent. Is that shocking? Too high? Too low? I mean, I think it might be a touch too low, and that's only because at, I mean, at the moment, I'm not sure what to make of this Washington State team because you know, obviously, the big headline from the off season was you know the passing of what would have been their starting quarterback, Tyler Herlinski. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so far as I know, their quarterback situation is still kind of up in the air. I believe they brought in uh, Gardner Minshew from East Carolina. Mm-hmm. So he's a possibility. Trey Tinsley, who's been the backup the last couple of years. Um, so, I mean, they have some options back there. But it's also that they're losing a lot of other key pieces at the skill positions, too. Like, they're losing their number one runner from a year ago, Jamal Morrow. They're losing their top two receivers, Tavares Martin and Isaiah johnson Mack. So they have a lot of production to replace, and I'm just not sure if this, you know, if the air raid offense is going to be of the caliber that we usually expect of the Cougars. Yeah, and also don't forget they lose an offensive line All-American, All-Pac-12 offensive linemen, and they lost basically three. Got they lost almost 40 starts between three offensive linemen too. So there's a ton to replace. However, we see what Leach has done. They're going to score points. They're going to put up yards. They're going to throw it 50 to 60-plus times this game. It's going to wear Wyoming down. But honestly, would would you be shocked if they beat Washington State at home? I wouldn't be shocked one bit. I wouldn't. It would probably be, I guess, a minor upset a little bit just because of what Washington State lost, and people should know about Craig Bull and his defense. I think Wyoming can get this win, but to get the win, they have to find a running game, and their offense has to do something because that's a problem this type of game. I can see them winning like a – low-scoring game, say 24-21, 21-17 because of defense. But if Washington State goes out and sc- can score like we know they're probably going to do despite having new faces at new positions, if it's if they start out hot and go t- t- score for score, Wyoming cannot keep up. So I think it's going to be either a close win for Wyoming or it could be a Washington State blowout like 38-10. Did you realize that the Cougars had the number one pass defense in the Pac-12 last year? Did teams not throw against them or something? Like San Jose State has one of the best pass defenses in the Mountain West. <laughs> I mean, maybe that has something to do with it because they did face the second fewest passing attempts of any Pac-12 team last year. Well, look who they played. Cal, Washington's pretty good, but Stanford runs the ball a lot. Uh, they played Boise State. Who, well, they could move the ball pretty well, but that, that is interesting, though. Yeah, yeah, I mean, so even if you narrow it by, you know, conference games versus the entire schedule or things like that, they're still number one either way, which kind of surprises me. And then you look at who they have coming back, and they have, you know, in the same way that we talk about you know, Wyoming's safety duo, Washington State has everybody coming back in their secondary. 
and you know that includes someone like uh, like Jalen Thompson at safety, um, you know Hunter Dale at nickelback, things like that. So they have a ton of experience back there, and you know that maybe presents you know uh, an unexpected. Well, I don't know if it would be unexpected hurdle, but that presents a challenge for a receiving crew that has talent but has yet to really put it all together consistently on the field. And so I think, you know, for a Cowboys offense that has enough questions to, to make me hesitate in picking them, you know, I feel like they'll definitely keep it close, but I do think that Wazoo will pull away with a win on this one. One thing I noticed real quick, looking at who Washington State played last year, University of Utah, who didn't have a great quarterback situation last year, threw for the most yards against them. Hmm. They held Jake Browning to 93 yards passing. Or no, sorry. Oh, gee. oh yeah, that's passing yards. Sorry. 93 yards where they lost 41 to 14 where they probably ran the ball 100 times against them. So this is more importantly why well, we need a running game, right? Yeah. All right, so you say win. I, you say loss. I say I think it's going to be a close win. I think they can get it done. Then they go to Missouri where it's not even close. And it's, what, 12, almost a two-touch underdog, maybe a 25% chance to win the game. Missouri's not even supposed to be any. Are they supposed to be good this year? I don't know that they're necessarily a top tier SEC team, but I mean, we know that their quarterback Drew Locke has been getting a lot of attention as you know a future NFL first round pick. And when you look at his numbers from last year, it was what forty four touchdowns, you know, thirteen interceptions, nine and a half yards per attempt. You know, maybe the completion rate's a little lower than you would like it to be, but I don't think there's any doubt that he's among the best signal callers in the toughest conference in America. There will be. It's just it's hard to gauge between like I know played SEC, play Mountain West. You're going to have probably some bigger players, some better players, like the quarterback situation. I just I guess early on is the worst time to play them. It's non-conference. It's going to happen regardless because. We don't. They're not going to be beat up. They're not going to be playing this extremely difficult schedule, and then play, happen to play Wyoming week whatever because they're in like week those November games they play where they play some random team who's typically not that good. Like Missouri, their passing offense is good. This will be another th- another game where if they can get a pass rush, if Wyoming can slow down the quarterback at all, maybe um, Andrew Wingard, Logan Wilson, we get some picks, turnovers, something like that. They're going to need that to get to, to get a win. But like last year, when you look at teams that weren't in conference, like. Uh, I don't want to count Southwest Missouri State, but they play, let's see, Connecticut. They won 52 to 12. That's a bad example, though. They beat Idaho 68 to 21. Here's the thing, too, that could be a possibility. Remember last year, Missouri was like 1 and 6 to start the year, 1 and 5 or something? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe that happened again. I just think it'll be, it'll come down to the Wyoming defense having to stop this great pass attack. And two yeah, weeks in mean, a row, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. I mean, I think that there's more opportunity for Wyoming to be able to move the ball against this defense because it was, yep. you know, by SEC standards, it was okay. Like, they ranked middle of the pack in as far as, you know, yards per carry allowed. They were middle of the pack in, you know, opponents' quarterback rating and things like that. But again, I think that, you know, for as good as Wyoming's defense is, they're going to have a really hard time containing this Missouri offense. So, you know, I feel like, you know, going on the road to SEC country like that is just not a good matchup 
for the Cowboys this year. And so I'm expecting Missouri to win this one pretty comfortably. I think Missouri will win as well. I think it might hang around for a bit, but it'll be back-to-back playing teams of that caliber offense and passing-wise, it'll be tough. All right, so we got Wofford, next win, victory. And we're going to hustle these long because I'm on a time crunch here. So Wofford's victory. Um, look at their league schedule, kind of jumble this together real quick. They play Boise State at home. Do you think that could be a victory for them really quick? I mean, it almost was last year, and so I don't want to say never say never. But, I mean, I think we, we both know that Boise is one of the most balanced teams in the conference. So, I have it as a loss just because I think it's kind of like the Washington State theory a little bit, and the two offenses are really good, where Boise's defense, well, even more so, Boise's defense will probably slow down the Wyoming attack. Like This could be like that CSU game last year, possibly. Where it was like a thirteen to seven, like whoever gets to twenty one points might win this game, because mm-hmm. both defenses are really good, but only one offense is really good. Yeah. So do you? I have a loss. What do you think about that one? Yeah, I have this one as a loss as well. Do you think go to Hawaii for the? Uh, is it the Pal? I'm gonna get it right one of these days. Is it the Palaleo Trophy? It is the Paniolo uh, Trophy. One day, right? One day I'll get this right. They should. Hawaii, they're run and shoot. We talked. No, we haven't previewed Hawaii, have we? No, we no, have yet. not. Um, so I'm going to say Hawaii's going to get steamrolled on this game. Steamrolled. Steamrolled at home. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think they're kind of hitting the reset button on offense. And, yeah, I, I don't know if I would necessarily say steamrolled, but I would be very surprised if they didn't win it by at least double-digit points. Okay. I, when I mean steamroll, I mean like by 20 points or more. All right. And because the defense was so terrible last year, and the offense is run and shoot, Mike, sneak a few points here and there, but... We'll see. Then they go to Fresno, which I'm going to say a loss right now. Back-to-back mm-hmm. road games going pretty far trick to Hawaii. No bye week back to the West Coast there against uh, Fresno. Not super easy to get to, I guess. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But here's traveling two weeks in a row. And I'm. it's interesting. This is the same prediction or same probability as a home game versus Boise State. Is it really that surprising, though? I think a little bit because you're on the road. I figured it'd be less. I figured it'd be like maybe uh, like 28% or something. I mean, it was a close game between these two teams last year. And this was when, you know, the Wyoming offense was basically DOA for about three and a half quarters. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, while you expect, you know, Wyoming's offense to be a little bit better this time around, a little more consistent in being able to move the chains, you know, you could say the same thing as about the Bulldogs as well. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I already have this one as a Fresno State win. Me too. I just think Fresno is more like Boise State, more complete team. Mm-hmm. It just it's all could depend. If Wyoming's offense comes out and does well, they could win these games. But what we know here, sitting here on Fourth of July, I can't. I'm not confident the offense doing much of anything more than slight improvement from last year. All right, Utah mm-hmm. State. Um, I had this as a victory for the Aggies last time. It's at home. It's the week after. It's almost a coin toss game. And go back and listen to our Aggie podcast. But I guess what this one would be. On Utah State side, can they run the ball, and can this offense make take a step up and do something against this great defense? I think they're probably going to be a little bit better. I I think I remember I struggled picking this game, but I just think Utah State again their offense, even though it's struggled the past couple of years, it's better. And not to go into circles, but I don't know what Wyoming's offense to expect how good it'll be. So I'll go with the more consistent team. That's why I picked the Aggies, but it's going to be super close. Yeah, I mean, I had had this one as a Utah State win as well, just because, you know, these two teams played a close game last year, and, you know, the defense really bailed Wyoming out. 
And you know, I'm one of those things. I'm one of those people where it's like it's hard for me to ask the same thing to happen twice, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And you know, in the same way that we talked about in the Utah State podcast, I do expect that offense to be a little more consistent, a little more explosive, and have just enough to be able to win this game. All right, at CSU again. We talked about this game before. I have it as a win. The bronze boot. The rival people thought should be the best in the conference because they got pissed at us, which is, I guess, we're doing a good thing if that happens. <laughs> people are not too happy. Uh, it's a two-point game, toss-up. I'm glad this... Maybe I'll have a snow game. That's what I'd like to say. I want a snow game. That's If I have that, I'm good to go. That's all I need. A Halloween snow game. (laughs) What's there to say? We talked about this before. We don't need to rehash every single game for league mates that we already previewed, but I guess the big big thing on this, besides being a rival, is um, quarterback for CSU. So predicting eight weeks in the season... As it is middle of July, June, late July, or <laughs> late June, early July, Carter Samuel's the QB, and maybe they'll move the ball. But the Rams' defense is not good, so that's why this could be another one of those. Um, can it be a 2-0 game? Can we get a 4-0 game? Maybe? I wonder when the last time that happened was. We don't have time to look now, but wasn't there a 5? I think there was a 5-2 to two game in the SEC a couple years ago. It was something like that, yeah, or 3 nothing. Three. Well, three. I wanted 2, though. The three's not too hard. <laughs> We could go. The I mean, I'm a little nine six. I'm a little, uh, I'm a little more optimistic about the Rams. I think when we talked about them during their podcast. So if you go back and listen to that, you know, I do like their offensive potential, even though they are replacing a lot of pieces all around. Mm-hmm. You know, that side of the ball. And so, you know, I expect this one to be close because it seems like it is pretty much every year. But I do have this one as a CSU win. Yeah, I think their running game could be the difference for the Rams' offense. But they come back. One reason could be tough. Look at the schedule. The games before Boise at Hawaii, at Fresno, Utah State, at CSU. That's where it could be playing some tough teams in a row, make it difficult. Host, yeah. San Jose State, victory, moving on, correct, right? Yeah. I'm just surprised it's not 90% victory chance. So it's 89 um, host Air Force. Um, I'm going Wyoming victory. Or no, I went lost. Sorry, I apologize. This is kind of a minor upset. I went for a loss because I didn't think Wyoming could win nine games this year. <laughs> so I had to pick a loss somewhere else. <laughs> I just, it's just a unique offense. We know how Air Force does the triple attack, the um, running quarterback, piss, pitching, tossing, no Jalen Robinette type receiver on the outside, but. I just think Air Force, for some reason, it's kind of weird. It's a home game. It's late in the year. The Air Force is going to get a win we don't expect. Plus, these teams always seem to play pretty close because of they just do. That's a dumb answer, but they just do, right? I mean, yes and no. I mean, I think one thing I look at is, you know, we know what Air Force wants to do. Run. <laughs> but we also know that Wyoming has done a pretty good job of shutting that down, especially in the last couple of years as this defense has really grown into itself. You know, in, in 2016, Air Force had 39 carries. They only averaged 3.8 yards per carry. And in last year's win, Wyoming win, by the way, mm-hmm. yeah. Air Force only managed 3.3 yards per carry. So, I mean, until further notice, I kind of see this as a less than ideal matchup for the Falcons, which is why I have this one as a Wyoming win. The reason, again, the reason I chose this because we'll talk about the Mexico here at half a sec. I picked that a win for Wyoming, but. I couldn't predict the 9-3 Wyoming team. I know it's dumb to look at the big picture and say, well, they're not going to get that many wins based on one game. But I could see them winning, but I it's, I probably – no, I'm going to change it. I'm not going to be dumb. I'm going to make the right call. 
I'm not going to base on a game by game situation to determine who I'm going to pick for the entire. You know I mean the entire season to mm-hmm. to skew me to say I'm going to ma- have this be a loss because we're not going to win nine games because I have them at nine and three. They're going to beat New Mexico on the road because Mexico's a mess. I think they might get a few points here and there, but just because of what they do offensively. But they're going to beat New Mexico, and I go nine and three. Yeah, I mean, I have the I have that New Mexico game as a Wyoming win as well. Mm-hmm. You know, because when you look at that particular matchup the last couple of years, it's kind of uh, two very different stories. Because if you remember in 2016, they got boat raced in Albuquerque. Mm-hmm. And they, and they uh, you may remember they allowed over 12 yards per carry that year. Oh, boy. And lost by 21. Ah. <laughs> but last year, they won 42-3, to and they held the Lobos to just 2.8 yards per carry. And if you're asking me right now what that matchup is going to look like, I'm going to say it probably is going to look a little more like last year's matchup. So, you know, we talked about New Mexico, how they're kind of hitting you know, the reset button on offense. Wyoming should be able to take care of business, even on the road. All right, folks. I'm going to wrap this up quickly because i got to run and um, catch a train. So, hope thank you for listening. 9-3. You say 9-3 as well, Matt? I have them at 6-6. Six and six. Whoa! Crap. We don't have time to discuss this further because i to go, but... This is our biggest difference by far. So check out all of our all of our previous previous shows over at Blog Talk Radio, TuneIn, Stitcher. I guess we're at last last FM, um, Facebook, Twitter, all that fun stuff. Mountain Westwire, MWR.com. and we'll see you next week, folks. Where we'll talk more. Um, we'll put a poll up on the website to see who you want to hear, listen to. So we'll see you next time. Later, folks. <laughs>